Hi there everyone, Rich here. Welcome to the podcast. Bit of change of a feature today. I'm out walking for this intro, taking the dog for a walk. Uh, it's a beautiful morning. It's uh, Tuesday the 2nd of June. You can probably hear the river Ebu in the background there. It's so low at the minute considering a couple of weeks ago it was roaring through uh, through Rogerstone, taking out some houses with it. But um, it's, uh, it's pretty low at the minute and it's a beautiful day. Hey, I've got some good news. Uh, we got a sponsor for the show. Trail Safe Wales First Aid. Uh, if you are part of an organisation um, and you need to set up a first aid course or get some employees through a first aid course, then look no further than uh, Trail Safe Wales First Aid. They're absolutely brilliant. Been on quite a few of their courses now. Um, if you uh, if you want to get in touch, contact James Morgan at Trail Safe Wales. Uh, you can find all the information uh, if you Google Trail Safe Wales. If you go to trailsafewales.com, I'll also put a link in the, in the description of this website. Uh, yeah, just go straight to him and said, uh, say you've been sent by by Jones the Bat, and you know you might get a little discount as well. Friend of the show. So, as I say, this weather is absolutely beautiful at the minute. We should have been playing cricket, but uh, unfortunately, the way things are, we can't. But it's very, very frustrating to have the driest May on record. And June is looking great as well. Just imagine all the runs you would have scored. Hey-ho. Uh, just feels like we're a bit of a pawn in the political system at the minute between the Senate and, uh, and Westminster. But, hey, I don't want to get political on this show, but I just, uh, I just did. Anyway, let's get on to our guest for today, um, Chris Cook, none other than Chris Cook, Glamorgan captain, uh, he is a genuinely nice guy, uh, we had a great chat about him growing up in South Africa um, and his journey to becoming a pro with Glamorgan, um, really fascinating chat actually, a few Chris Cook facts, He's um, he succeeded Mark Wallace as uh, Glammy's wicketkeeper in 2017 he's just turned 34 he had his birthday just the other day we've got a couple of dog walkers coming up uh his strike rate over 114 in t20s hi there how we doing good morning yeah good come on griff he's being spoilt <laughs> come on griff <laughs> um He's, as I was saying, he's got a strike rate of 114 in T20s. Uh, he's taken over 250 professional catches. Uh, anyway, enough of my ramblings. Let's uh, get on with the show. Uh, here's my interview with Chris Cook. Let's go. Hi Chris, how are you, mate? How's it, Rich? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. How are you going? Oh, it's tough work, tough work. You know, in the in the lockdown, particularly seeing uh, blue skies every single day, knowing that the pitches are probably gorgeous out there, and it should be a runs fest. What about you? 
I know, yeah. All, all my thoughts exactly. You know, I'm watching far too much Peppa Pig, and um, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not watching any any um, fours and sixes and and some wickets. So no, it's been pretty tough. Yeah. Have you managed to get any cricket in whatsoever? Um, I haven't. Um, no, not one bit. Um, all my kits at the ground, um, and so it's just been purely S and C work um, up till now, which is a which is a bit of a pity. But it is what it is. <clears throat> Particularly with you know cricket being such a, a skill-based sport, you know you being a, a batsman and, and wicketkeeper, you know it's important to keep on top of those skills, isn't it? So it's going to be a, a quick learning curve again once you get back, I imagine. When yeah, do you, I guess uh, so. Yeah, when do you anticipate so. going back? Um, it's hard to say, really. Um, the latest chat is first week of August, but I guess everyone's in the same boat, and you know we all professionals and be doing it for a long time so hopefully it shouldn't take too long to pick up yeah. the skills again um so maybe a couple of weeks training and then back into it um obviously the shorter it. formats are going to take precedent yeah yeah so um the idea of this uh, podcast is to is to really look at the journey that uh, professional cricketers have made up to signing the, that illustrious professional contract uh, so what i look to do is like dig down onto you know the early memories so obviously you're from uh from south africa um what early memories do you have of, of playing cricket um i think the earliest memories i have is um well we lived on um, a school in cape town and my dad was the headmaster there so um you know we had a lot of uh, fields and nets and grounds and i had two older brothers who were pretty good at cricket and my dad played as well so the earliest memory is probably just watching them play and, and playing on the side of the field and um, playing with the, the kids in the school growing up. So, um, you know, as a, as a sport lover, as I was growing up, you know, it was pretty ideal. Um, and, you know, I remember going down to Newlands when I was young and watching sort of young Herschel Gibbs and Desmond Haynes opening the batting for Western Province and, and people like that. So it was, um, it was, it was yeah, it was always a dream to kind of, to kind of make it and, and, you know, if it was, uh, the dream was always to play at Newlands and play for South Africa, but obviously, um, obviously things change. Yeah. Uh, Newlands, what a ground that is. Um, a quick story about Newlands. I, I might have to cut it out, but <laughs> when, uh, <laughs> when we were on a school tour, uh, so we took a, a group of kids out there back in 2003, uh, we stayed just around the corner, uh, from Newlands, uh, mm. And one night we were off duty. So there were four of us, two on duty, two off duty. So we managed to, uh, to have a few beers because uh, there's yeah. a brewery just outside, uh, outside the ground, isn't there? Um, yeah, Castle Lager Brewery. Castle yeah. Lager Brewery. So we'd had a couple and then I thought, right, I wonder what Newlands Cricket Ground is like. And this is in like, so it's in, oh, what, what are we talking about? July, so it's off season. And we jumped yeah. over the fence at Newlands and um, we were on the middle <laughs> running up and down the middle <laughs> at midnight, me and my mate at the Newlands Cricket Ground, and uh, yeah, I scored a hundred. I scored a hundred that night. Uh, <laughs> what what a place to play cricket and and to watch cricket. It's got to be the best cricket ground in the world, no? I, I, yeah, I think it is. I mean, I know Lords has um, a lot of history about it, and Calcutta and places like that have, you know, one hundred and ten thousand people. But I mean, in terms of a backdrop and it's just uh, a really beautiful cricket ground, um, 
it doesn't get much better. And I mean, I was lucky enough to play a few games there for um, sort of the Western Province B side and got my first hundred there, which was which was special. But I mean, it's a it's a hell of a place, and it's. Um, it's definitely something I miss about South Africa, 100%. Absolutely. So let's go back back to these uh, early memories. You know, you talk about um, you had the opportunity because your father was a headmaster at a local school. Was he into his cricket? Um, yeah, my dad was. He um, he was also a wicketkeeper batsman, and both my elder brothers were keeper batsmen. Um, and dad played for Eastern Province, which is kind of Port Elizabeth area. Um when he was a bit younger um, and then both older brothers were, were pretty talented. Um, you know, one of them played with Shark Cullis and sort of um, captain him at South African schools level. Um, and yeah, so I was just always involved with, with crickets and um, yeah. And, and then my, you know, my best supporters and my best yeah. critics really. Do you find being uh, the youngest uh, had an influence in the way in which you developed your cricket? Um, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I guess it did in a way that I got to be motivated by sort of watching them and I got all the advice, you know, coming down from them. Um, and you know, I just, I sort of played with a bit of more freedom than they might have. I'm not sure. Yeah, possibly. No, cause there's a lot of research into the, the youngest sibling is, is often the one who, who goes on to become a little bit more successful. Um, and I know, you know, like, because they're always chasing and they're always put out with their comfort zone a little bit more than, than their brothers were. But uh, interesting fact there. Um, so you're talking about uh, growing up when you're playing in school cricket. Were any particular coaches that started to have an influence on you? Um. At school level, I'd say probably not. Um, you know, my bet. You know, my biggest influences at that age were were my family. I think. Um, I think you know we've talked about it before, but school cricket in in South Africa is is quite big. So is school rugby and and whatever. So you know you get you playing against Bishops Rondebosch, um, Derby, and you're getting you know all everyone at the school is there. Um, so you're getting 800, 1,000 kids from each side all watching, all singing through the game. Um, Bishops had uh, lights, so it was a day-night game. So it was quite a big sort of scene to play on when you're a 16, 17-year-old. Um, but in terms of coaches, um, you know, I think my, my best coaches came when I moved to university. Mm. Just, going, just going back to the school, because uh, obviously I've been a, a PE teacher myself, how important was was that sport in school and how much did the headmasters like because did you have like play Wednesday afternoons and everyone plays a Wednesday afternoon or was it sporadic um I think it was it was sporadic um we had to play a certain amount of afternoons of, of sport a week um so we you know if that was golf or hockey or cricket or or, or whatever it was depending what season you're in but um I mean, I remember playing the first team cricket side when I was 15 and, um, you know, it was quite tiring. You'd go on a couple of tours a year and you'd train every afternoon and um, you'd play, you know, obviously all Saturday, a couple of Sundays. So, um, you know, the acad academics definitely took a back seat considering how long the game of cricket is, especially when you're trying to juggle everything you are at school. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I loved it. And at that age, you're just, you're soaking it all up. 
So you're, you're a 15, 16 year old lad. Are you thinking professional cricket at that point? Never. No, not, not one bit. Um, to be honest, I, I, I think growing up in South Africa, you just know how hard it is to kind of make it and you know how special you have to be to get into those couple of franchises, especially with all the affirmative action. So in my head, I was, I was never thinking I was good enough. You know, I was keeping, but I was batting nine or ten um, in the first team. And um, to be honest, it never crossed, crossed my mind. No. So, so from there, then you go on to university. Were you still in yep. Cape Town then? Yeah, so I went to um, the University of Cape Town, UCT. Um, and in between that, I did a gap year to, to England um, between school and university just to sort my mind out and kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I ended up playing at Little Hampton, Clapham and Patching in Sussex. Um, it, was, um, it was a great experience, uh, sort of away from home for the first time. I imagine um, that. Yeah, you know, do, I was the local groundsman at the club. Um, they had just gone up to the Sussex Premier League, so there was a good vibe around the club, and um, yeah, absolutely loved it. Uh, did all right, and um, we, we got relegated um, on the last weekend. Um, I think I, I was in. I did a, a lads holiday to Ibiza, um, and and missed kind of saving them on the last weekend, which uh, they won't let me forget. <laughs> but um, apart from that, I think they, they enjoyed having me, and um, I, I had an opportunity to join the Sussex Academy that year. Um, after impressing against a few sides, but sort of chose to go back to Cape Town. Um, I was a bit homesick, just wanted to get my studies in. Um, and, you know, things could have been a lot different, I guess, if I'd stayed. Um, you know, for the better or worse, who knows. But, um, yeah, I came back to UCT, came back to Cape Town, um, started my studies and played for, for the university cricket team um, on one of the best batting wickets in Cape Town, absolute road. So, um, oh, yeah. just a great place to bat. and and quick outfield so just you know good to good to bat there and, and sort of I think that's when I started to learn how to play aggressively and positively and and try and take you know um, the game to the bowlers I think that's where it all started and we had two great coaches in um, Hilton Ackerman um, H.G. Ackerman's father who, who played at Leicester um, and he was um, he was an amazing coach um, you know, he, he had coached some good sides and, you know, he had a bit of um, diabetes problems. So he was often sick, but um, he, was, he was a great mentor and probably the first person to show some sort of belief in me that, you know, I could actually do it for a living. Um, and then he unfortunately passed away and Gary Kirsten came in before he took the India job. So we were, oh. we were quite fortunate in that, in that regard. So you get somebody who's fresh out of test cricket, I imagine, back then. Um, yeah. And so, what what was what was his style of leadership, and how did he how did he uh, improve your game? Um, well, Gary was just um, just detailed, really. So, I mean, you can imagine we're a university team. You know, guys are studying, guys are just enjoying being students, and you know, out on the lash and stuff like that. And he came in, um, and he was pretty disciplined, pretty detailed. Um, we only had him for, I think, a season before he took the India job. So um, we didn't get a whole lot out of him. But um, just the way he talked about batting and he was more technical, whereas Hilton Ackerman was just more, you know, he'd come into the, the dressing room at the end of the game, have a beer with everyone and just talk about life and the game. And 
you know, just more of a, of a mentor, whereas Gary was just very precise. And um, so I think as students, you know, we, we really appreciated that because we hadn't really had that so far. So they were both very uh, different, but um, yeah, both, I think, pretty important for my development. So you're at university. Uh, are you starting to think now? Yeah, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and make it as a professional cricketer. Um, um, yeah, so I played a, a season or so for the Western Province B-side. Um, hadn't done great. Um, and by my own admission, probably wasn't dedicated enough to doing it. Like I said, you know, you got your studies. You, I was um, bartending at the time as well to earn some money. Um, so cricket was kind of being juggled a bit. Um, so I didn't really feel like it was something to pursue. Um, you know, there was, like I said, you know, you, you're trying to get into sort of nine or ten contracts. And, you know, the majority of those have to be players of colour. So you always feel your, your back's up against it. Um, obviously had the British passport and, and Hilton was the first person who said to me, he said, what are you doing here? Just, you know, get to the UK. Um, you know, you, there's, there's a lot more opportunity there. There's a lot more stuff on merit. Um, you, you're definitely good enough. So go there. I've got a few connections and um, get over and try and, and just see how it goes. Mm, so you came over and you went back to the South Coast, was it? Back to uh, South Coast of England, Bournemouth, was it? Um, so that, yeah, the first year I came over was 2009, um, and I was at a club in the Birmingham league called Tamworth. Um, oh, right, yeah. Yeah. So the plan was to trial for Knotts and Derby that year. Um, right. it was, <laughs> I mean, it was a bit of a shambles in terms of, you know, my professional career. I mean, I loved the, the season, but, um, I didn't quite get to trial as much as I would have liked. Um, the club sort of pulled the, the plug on that, uh, Tamworth, you know, I was using their car. They didn't want me to drive to away games. Um, they didn't want me to get injured in midweek. So it was a bit of a, a mixed communication with them. Um, so it didn't really happen that year. Um, although, um, my accommodation was, a was a caravan on Cow Corner, um, which I wasn't <laughs> expecting. <laughs> that was a bit of a, a learning curve. Um, but yeah, so I came, so that year didn't work out, came back to Cape Town on that, in that winter of, of 2009, 2010. Um, had a good season for the uni and, and for the, the province B side and then kind of decided to give a one last shot um, and signed for Bournemouth. Um, yeah, so Bournemouth Cricket Club. Um, you know, I had some better offers up north for more money, but I just thought um, that I'd really like it down in Bournemouth and they gave me the freedom to go and trial wherever I could. And I had a few connections in Hampshire anyway. So they must have trialed Hampshire while I was there. Yeah. Um, so you're, uh, you're in this situation now whereby, you know, you're going for a few trials. Where did Glamorgan come into it? Yeah, so um, obviously started trialling with, with Hampshire first. Um, and I was actually living with the Hampshire physio, who, who was the Bournemouth captain, who's now the England physio. Um, so that was one of the, the connections. But um, did okay for, for Hampshire second team. I think got a decent 100 in about May or so. But I'd sent my CV out to every single county in England, really. Um, just just saying, you know, who I was. And, and I was keen to come over game. And um, the only, only team to get back to me was Glammy. Uh, Rich Almond was a second team coach and uh, I think Will Bragg had 
just got injured bowling in club cricket and he had sprained his ankle. So obviously he was uh, number two to Wally at the time as a keeper. So yeah. uh, Rich, being a South African, knew sort of what teams I played for. And um, so he said, come have a game. Um, so the first game was at us against the MCCs. And I think Tom Maynard belted 150. Um, but I got a 50 and that kind of kept me in the, in the side for a few more games. And yeah, I did all right. And um, I, Hampshire were keen as well, but, you know, they couldn't offer anything at the time. They said, you know, we'll offer you something at the end of the season. And, and glad we had a contract, you know, it signed up within a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, I felt really at home here. And, you know, we had a great second team at the time and um, a lot of good guys. And I just felt like it was, it was the right call. Superb. But, you know, obviously you've joined a club whereby the, the wicketkeeper is not going to miss a game for how long? <laughs> how long did Wally not miss a game yeah. for? Well, so, 200, 230 games. I wasn't but, expecting that at the time. No, but <laughs> but what, you know, what a player to learn from as well. Well, that's, yeah, spot on. Um, and I know I, I enjoyed playing as a batter. And I just, to be honest, I just enjoyed playing in the team in, in whatever capacity it was. And, um, and Wally was always really good with sort of training with me and, and helping me along with my keeping, um, you know, and he still does. Mm. Yeah, so you've signed this this contract now, which is, you know, and, and that's the kind of way I wanted to get to on the podcast. But there's also other contracts have been signed because, well, obviously you will be playing this year, but the 100 was was uh, one of your calling cards, yeah? Um, yeah, the the 100 was, um, you know, yeah, was, was going to happen. And obviously it's really disappointing that it's not. Um, I know a lot of people are opposed to it, but... Um, as a professional and, you know, in my shoes, it was, you know, it was a bit of a, you know, a bit of recognition for the performances I think I've put in over the last 10 years in, in T20 cricket. And I was, I was looking forward to rubbing shoulders with the best players in the world, really. So hopefully that can all go ahead for next year. Yeah. Cause when my son is a, a wicket keeper as well. And yeah. Uh, he's like under 13s and in the in the in the Welsh squad and, and all that business. But we were watching the the draft and we were like, yeah. hey, they got to take they got they got to take a, a wicket keeper. They got to take a wicket keeper. <laughs> I think it was one of the last ones to be drawn, wasn't it? I said they got yeah. to, and it was like Chris Cook and we were high fiving each other because obviously you're a glammy player and uh, and all that <laughs> business. But yeah, so uh, so well done on all that, mate. And yeah, just hopefully it'll all go again um, go again next year. Um, it's been, you know, a great journey. If you had to give some advice to to players coming up through, because I know a lot of people, you know, I've got a lot of juniors listen to this, but then also a lot of parents uh, who have got kids in in the game listen to it. What advice would you give for that for that journey? Um, well, that's a good question. I think I think you got to just back yourself, really. Um, you know, rather take that one too many risks and take that one too many goes at it than 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 not, and you'll regret it. Um, I mean, as a kid, I think just watch as much cricket as you can and um, and just go with your instincts and and try not to regret any decisions that you make. Um, you know, it's it's also about making you know lifelong friends and. Um, and the connections you make through cricket are, are going to be with you for the rest of your life. So um, just, you know, d don't see it as just numbers like 50s and 100s and fifers and 
just try and appreciate the game you're in and and the you know the team sport that you're in um and try and learn from it as a person i guess and yeah. you know it can take you places it's taken me from Cape Town to Cardiff. And to be honest, I didn't even know they played cricket in, in Wales before I left <laughs> South Africa. Um, like, it, I didn't know anything about county cricket. And, and to be, you know, to be a, a captain of, of a county team is something that I'm immensely proud of. And um, it's my second home here. And I always appreciate the, the journey it's taken me on. Um, yeah. But if I have to say anything to kids, it's, it's literally, I know it's a cliche, but just enjoy it and, and back your ability. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of kids, you know, now your story is great because, you know, you're still going through university. So, you, you know, you're 21, 22, and you, you still haven't picked up that professional contract where I think a lot of kids now, they're 14, 15, and they haven't been picked up by a, a junior academy. Um, yeah. And they're like, well, I'm never going to make it then. I'm never going to make it. But, you know, a lot of cricketers, and I, I'm finding there's a lot of people who I speak to, they really come on at 18, 19, 20. Yeah. And, and, that and, is... and we've got, yeah. And we've got a lot of guys um, in the Glammy squad at the moment who didn't go through the academy. And it is a bit different in the UK to Australia and South Africa because they do look after the youth better here. I think um, if you show some ability, you do usually get picked up. But like I said, there are a lot of guys in our, in our Glammy academy sorry, now Glammy Squad not have gone through the academy and they're kind of being late bloomers. So um, yeah. if you truly believe it and it makes, it makes you happy, then just give it your best go. Absolutely. Chris, it's been absolutely fantastic speaking to you, mate. Uh, an honour to speak to the Glamorgan captain. Um, and, <laughs> uh, I'm sure that uh, everyone who listens to this will, will take something from it. And, and yeah, it's been, it's been great. So thank you very much for agreeing to be part of the, part of the show. And, uh, Good luck in the future, mate. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Rich. I'll see you soon, Thank Cheers. you very much. Cheers. So, that was uh, Chris Cook. Uh, great chatting with him. Uh, bringing back memories of uh, jumping over the, over the wall into, uh, into Newlands. Me and Nigel Price. Uh, on a school tour many years ago. I'm running up and down Newlands in the middle of the winter. Oh my goodness me. If we got caught, I dread to think what would have happened. But uh, yeah, I can say that I've, uh, I've been at the middle at Newlands. Uh, Chris was a fantastic one. Um, such a nice guy. Anyway, if you, uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, if you want to email me, jonesthebat100 at gmail.com get in touch or if you want to buy any uh, charity stickers uh, for prostate cancer teenage cancer trust fund incidentally i've just broken through the thousand pound barrier for uh, selling prostate cancer stickers so there's 500 of them out there at the minute on different bats which i'm quite proud of to be honest with you um all started when uh, my PE teacher uh, mark batten legend of PE teachers in, uh, in South Wales. This, I diagnosed with prostate cancer and uh, I wondered what, how, how I could raise a bit of money. So if you're interested in, uh, in getting a prostate cancer sticker, go to my website, jonesthebat.com or go to eBay, uh, search Jones the Bat and those stickers will come up. Uh, yeah, and just, uh, just show your support. It'd be greatly appreciated. So 
That's all for me. Thank you, James, for sponsoring the uh, show. Remember, Trail Safe Wales. And um, enjoy the week, everyone. Peace out. Oh, got a runner. Hi there. You all right? Oh, hi. <laughs> there we are. So uh, I'll see you on the on the far post. Bye now.